Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Hi, welcome to this week's In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kim Bellotto. We've got a great show on tap today. We've got David Blackman's coming up in just a few minutes with a really, really good interview. I'm not going to give away what that's going to be about. But before we get to that, I do want to cover you know a couple of things with you. Let's talk about TEEK, the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. Why is this such an important important organization for everybody to join? Well, because the first thing that we want to do is set up networking opportunities for businesses, sales reps, account managers, you name it, from all walks of life. So it doesn't necessarily need, need, they don't need to be in the energy sector. Actually, it's okay if you're not, but we want to bring people together. We want to help develop business uh, communication to help develop uh, greater economic development between different populations of people. But the other really important thing is, you know, we live in Texas, and Texas is huge on oil and gas. It's important we know the benefits to oil and gas to us. It's also important that we also get engaged and involved in the process. You know, we send elected officials to Austin every two years, and they're making decisions on behalf of us as Texans. Well, Kim, you know, not only do we send our elected officials to Austin every two years, there's also this big bureaucracy in the state of Texas that needs to hear our voice. And the industry needs an advocate. The Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, the bureaucracy needs to hear our voice. Our elected officials need to hear our voices. And you need to join TEEK. How does somebody join TEEK? They can visit shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G slash T-E-A-C. And click on the link and they can join right there. It's free to join. It's free to be involved. What do you have to lose? You're going to grow your business, and you're going to meet a lot of great and interesting people as well. I go to shalemag.com forward slash teak, T-E-A-C, and join teak. We need your voices to send to our elected officials in Austin. We need your voices to be heard by the bureaucracy in, in the state of Texas. And, you know, we just we need you to be a part of this organization. With that, Kim, let's bring in our first guest. He's our resident oil and gas expert, David Blackman. Kim? Thank you, Alvin. And today we have back on the show our energy expert, David Blackman, who's with DB Energy Advisors. David, welcome back to In the Oil Patch. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Well, you know, um, every week we really try to talk a little bit about energy, but, you know, right now that we are currently getting very close to uh, electing a new president, we kind of have been talking a lot about what does the political scene look like. So I did want to get your opinion on a couple of things that are starting to surface here in the last week. And of course, you know, the presidential campaign is what everybody is fixated on. Um, But I was curious uh, to ask your opinion on, tell me what your thoughts are with, uh, you know, Donald Trump is proposing a lot of new changes to hopefully get himself elected. Some of them are focusing around uh, five things that he wants to change pertaining to lobbying, lobbying money, big money that's coming in and uh, corrupting the government. And then the other one is the term limits that he's trying to set on members of Congress. So what are your opinion on on why this is coming out and and does it go anywhere? Does it have any uh, meat in it that might help him with his polls, polling numbers? What are your thoughts? 
Well, I, I don't know that it will help them uh, with the polling numbers. Uh, the media isn't really covering issues anymore. Um, so it, it's unfortunate that the, that the the election has just come down to, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, unimportant things that, that don't really impact people. And uh, so the, the reforms he's suggesting are good ones. Uh, you know, he's talking about uh, not allowing members of Congress to lobby uh, in Washington for at least five years after they leave office, which is supposed to be the rule, but they all get around it. Uh, he's talking about the same same kinds of restrictions for for people who serve in executive positions in the administration, whoever in presidential administrations, which again is supposed to be the rule and was the rule in, in Republican years, but. Uh, has now gone by the wayside. And, uh, you know, and, and those things would be very positive because you, you have this cycle, basically, where people serve in Congress or in an administration for four to six years get out and become multimillionaires lobbying their former colleagues. Um, and that, that's not productive for the country or the government or the people in any way, shape, or form. It ought to be severely restricted. It ought to be banned. Um, and then the whole term limits concept, um, yeah, I've gone back and forth on that personally. There's good good things and bad things. You know, it would, you know, when you look at the United States Senate, for example, you have in both parties leadership uh, who are, you know, in their 70s and 80s have been there forever and completely lost touch with the states they came from. Uh, ha- in no way represent the people of their states, but they keep getting reelected because of their name. So you could theoretically prevent that from happening. Uh, the only downside of it, and I really think it's more of a downside in the states than it is in Congress, is is that when you limit people to 10 or 12 years, whatever it is, you lose so much institutional knowledge about how the process works and, and, and about uh, how to you know, make good policy when when the first wave of them leaves, that it's hard to recover from that. We've seen that happen in Oklahoma and in some of the other states where you just lose so much institutional knowledge that it, the state government has a hard time remaining functional. But uh, quite honestly, things have become so corrupt and, and inbred in Washington, I'd be happy for any kind of radical change like that just to shake things up. Well, and, you know, if you look at the way um, charities are run, the majority of charities, especially 501c3s, if they're going to apply for their um, tax exemption, they have to have board members that turn over. And the whole purpose behind that is to allow uh, new people to come in, new thoughts. Um, You know, people react differently with different kinds of people, new people coming in. And so I just think that when you look at an institution like our government that continuously has people who have been there as a career politician, um, I don't see that they can really understand what's going on back home and be a part of the fabric there because they're part of the Washington, D.C. scene. And that's kind of where their loyalty lies as opposed to um, possibly at home. But then you, you got to wonder, like, well, you're still being elected. So <laughs> it's just a— Well, yeah, and that's the thing. You know, I mean, theoretically, it is the choice of the voters. And, uh, 
whether for good or bad, that's how they vote. So. Right. Well, let's let's change gears just a little bit and talk a little bit about the actual other uh, uh, members of Congress that are running, not the presidential race. There are some uh, pretty um, heated different um, seats that are very, very important, whether you're a Democrat or Republican. Um, and so what are some of the uh, congressmen that we should be looking at? Whose seats are vulnerable and why? Well, really, in Texas, the one incumbent who, you know, has the, the toughest race is Will Hurd uh, in San Antonio. Uh, well, his district runs from San Antonio all the way almost to El Paso. It's the biggest congressional district in the country. Uh, you know, he's running again against Gene Gallego, who he who was the incumbent two years ago, and Mr. Hurd defeated. Um, that's a very close race. Uh, both of them have raised a substantial amount of money, and... Um, you know, everything's pretty even, and it's a, basically a 50-50 district. So uh, that's the one everybody's watching. In, in Texas, otherwise, the districts uh, are pretty significantly tilted, either you know heavily Republican or heavily Democratic district, and, and the incumbents pretty well are safe. I, You know, you, you read every once in a while articles uh, predicting that there's going to be some big wave in this election that may enable the Democrats to win control of the House, that that is not going to happen. And, and frankly, I don't think the Democrats, amazingly, I don't think they're going to win control of the Senate either. It's probably going to end up 51-49 split uh, with the Republicans still in control of the Senate. And, uh, the Republicans probably lose eight or ten seats uh, net in the House, but they have about a 50-seat majority, so uh, they'll still have a strong majority after after this election is over. Um, it, so Pete Gallegos and, um, and Will Hurd, you know, we've had um, Congressman Hurd on quite a few times, um, and, and part of it is because as him currently being in office, his district is affecting uh, a lot of oil and gas area, and so we talked to him. Um, and as he's come in, I've learned a lot about uh, his background. You know, he's an ex-CIA agent, mm-hmm. um, as well as, you know, he has a really good understanding of foreign policy. And so when we look at, you know, his seat, um, and then you have Pete Gallegos, who actually was endorsed by the Green uh, Peace Movement, um, you know, it, we we need to recognize that one is going to be pro-energy, which you know, Congressman Will Hurd has been, and one is going to be more environmentally driven by the same companies that uh, want um, initiatives like Keep It in the Ground, which we already all know that when we do that, we will kill hundreds of thousands of jobs uh, here in Texas alone. And so, um, you know, it is an important race uh, to people that are in the energy sector of, of who they're selecting, in my opinion. So I hope that our voters will will go out and do some research on the two candidates, um, because one does have a lot of experience um, in the world issues that are very important, that we have somebody in Congress that understands that. And, you know, David, there's not a lot of, of Congress folks out there that really have the kind of depth and experience that Will Hurd does. I mean, to hear him. That's really uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. To be out there in the Middle East and have a really good understanding of what really is facing our nation is uh, is scary. And so we need people in Congress that have that experience to understand. There's a lot of bad people out there in other countries that don't necessarily want to see the United States succeed on many levels. And so um, with that, I have to uh, close the show. David, I'd like to thank you for um, being here with us today and talking to us a little bit about what's going on in the political scene. And we look forward to having you back next week. 
Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here, and we'll talk to you again in a week. Kim, always great to have David Blackman on. What a great expert to have access to. And and with that, we do need to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, along with Kim Bellotto, broadcasting from Shale Studios, and we'll be right back. The Future of the Region South Texas Conference is coming up November 14th and 15th at the UTSA Downtown Campus in beautiful San Antonio, Texas. This is the premier economic development conference that you don't want to miss. We've got the greatest lineup of speakers ready to give you the latest information and updates for the South Texas region that include workforce, energy, economic development, border issues, infrastructure, water, safety, transportation, and health. Tickets and sponsorships can be purchased at Future Region stx.org. Again, that's futureregionstx.org. See you there. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com. Or you can call us 210-240-7188. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kim Bellotto. Kim, great guest with us today, Dr. Tom Tunstall. He's the Senior Research Director for the University of Texas at San Antonio Institute for Economic Development. And, you know, like I said in the last segment, the allergies are kind of with me today. So why don't you take it away, Kim, and I'll jump in when I can. Well, Alvin, um, thank you for introducing our guest. You know, Dr. Tunstall has been uh, a... A writer for Shell Magazine also is a great advisor to the publication as well. And, um, you know, through these years uh, of Shell being around and the oil patch, we've, uh, since we are not of the industry, we are individuals that are in the community trying to learn about oil and gas. Dr. Tunstall has been one of the most refreshing experts we have, um, and we enjoy having him on the show because he's just a wealth of knowledge. So, Dr. Tunstall, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thanks, Kim. Glad to be here. I'm so glad you're back. So we've got a lot of things to discuss, but the first thing I want to do is is talk a little bit about what you do at the university uh, in San Antonio, University of Texas in San Antonio. The, the work I do is in the Institute for Economic Development, which actually has about 12 programs, uh, a lot of them hands-on economic development programs related to either helping small businesses or working with uh, community leaders in, in uh, rural, the underserved rural areas of, of South and West Texas. Uh, that Small Business Development Center network also extends into the Caribbean, Mexico, Central, and uh, uh, South America. And so uh, we have a, a pretty formidable network of, uh, of uh, economic development programs uh, serving both south and west Texas, as well as uh, uh, points south of, of the U.S. Uh, my group does the research at the Institute, and uh, we've completed a variety of economic impact studies, obviously the Eagleford Shale, the Klein Shale in west Texas, but also uh, uh, studies dealing with the uh, San Antonio missions sites uh, uh, and, and their UNESCO World Heritage designation that they recently received uh, study on uh, that will be coming out on the economic impact of uh, Fiesta. Uh, we recently completed a, a, a study for uh, on small business for the governor's office uh, in Texas, and we'll be uh, uh, performing another survey for the governor's office here uh, statewide on small businesses as well. So 
variety of projects. Actually, one of the more, more interesting things I just found out about uh, this past week was uh, we got to go ahead for a study on the prospects for shale oil and gas development in Argentina, which is likely to be the next big shale play. Probably uh, things will move faster there than uh, they're, they're moving in Mexico just uh, because um, there's a variety of reasons. But uh, the, the biggest has to do with the fact that Argentina's tapped into most of their shale, uh, their conventional oil and gas reserves already, Mexico is not, and so uh, they're very keen to uh, develop their very formidable reserves of oil and and gas in Argentina. So they're very excited about that. What an interesting time we live. You know, four or five years ago, when shale in the Eagle Ford was just kind of blossoming. Uh, y'all's department or the university really helped a lot of the little communities and towns, the drilling towns, really understand uh, with the revenue coming in, what are some of the best ways to invest it in to ensure a future development as well as, you know, as as, as uh, Mexico took off and there was a lot of infrastructure issues and they were trying to uh, develop their onshore play. You guys also had a huge part of trying to help them understand how to um, coordinate and get their uh, oil and gas plays and, and all the legislative stuff that they needed to have happen and as well as what happens here with royalty right owners and stuff like that. You guys did some studies for them as well, kind of helping them along. Was, is that correct? In Mexico? In Mexico. Yeah, that's and that's very much still a work in progress. Uh, uh, Mexico is, is still working on uh, tendering the, the remainder of the blocks that they're going to, to lease and once uh, once they do that, then the activity should should begin somewhat in earnest. Um, um, I imagine there there's already is activity in in the shallow water blocks that they've leased out, but deep water is going to be particularly interesting because that that is something Pemex did not have the wherewithal to tap into. Uh, they're going to need foreign partners uh, or foreign companies operating uh, more or less independently to uh, to develop those, and and they're you know while on the U.S. side of the Gulf of Mexico, there's been extensive uh, deep water oil and gas development. Uh, it's 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 virtually uh, 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 untapped territory on the Mexico side. So there's there's a, still a lot of opportunity for Mexico. And now we're going to see Argentina take off, which is great and it's amazing. But I think some of the most interesting uh, things to have watched over the past you know four or five years is how oil and gas is definitely not for the faint at heart i mean you pretty much is put your seatbelt on buckle up and get ready for a ride no matter which area uh, starts on their shell plays or oil and gas production rather it's the united states uh, mexico now argentina and then of course worldwide of seeing some of the dynamics that are coming out with like opec uh, and they're changing pace so quickly to try to keep up with the u.s uh, producers and what's occurring here too. And so I want to kind of get into that with you. We're going to take a real quick break. And when we come back, we'll be back with geopolitical scene and what you think is happening as a result of all of the oil and gas plays going on all over the United States and the world. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, alongside your host, Kim Bellotto, and our special guest today, Dr. Tom Tunstall. We'll be right back. Managers, bosses, supervisors. Hey, flu season is here. Don't let the flu bug bite your employees. Banish sick days and keep your workforce strong, healthy, and productive with Baptist Healthy Solutions, your answer to convenient and affordable health care that comes to you. Our mobile health unit delivers on-site, state-of-the-art, comprehensive care that keeps your employees healthy from the day they're hired till the day they retire. 
Trust Baptist Healthy Solutions with your workforce health care needs. Health care that comes to you. Call 866-334-2485. Again, that's 866-334-2485. Hi, I'm Rita Stitch, Chairman of the Let's Rodeo Ball Committee. I would like to invite you to the upcoming Let's Rodeo Ball. This fundraising event will benefit the San Antonio Livestock Exposition, Inc. Scholarship Fund and will take place on January 21st, 2017 from 6.30 to 11.30 p.m. at the Joe and Harry Freeman Coliseum in beautiful downtown San Antonio. Our entertainment will be provided by country superstars Gary Allen, Neil McCoy, and -and up-and-coming country artist Brett Mullins. Tickets and sponsorships are available and include dinner and open bar. So get your tickets now. Please call 210-225-5851 or visit sarodeo.com and click on the Let's Rodeo Ball picture. We hope to see you there. Hey, you. Do you want to go to the fastest growing oil and gas mixer in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business, so you got my attention. But what is Teak? Teak is the Texas Energy Advocate Coalition, and we hold free business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Is there a fee to join? Not for the next 90 days. It's completely free. So there's no charge to join, no charge to attend mixers, but we do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where do I go? You go to shellmag.com teak, T-E-A-C, and click the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. So let me write this down. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com slash T-E-A-C. Yes. Well, that sounds good. I'll see you at the next mixer. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kim Bellotto. And today our special guest is Dr. Tom Tunstall, the Senior Research Director for the University of Texas at San Antonio's Institute for Economic Development. Dr. Tunstall, before we went to the break, I think Kim wanted to talk a little bit about OPEC and a little bit about some of the geopolitical events that are going on around the world, and and I'm just going to hand it to you with that. What what are your thoughts on what's going on on the world stage right now? It's interesting to continue to watch OPEC because uh, a lot of their members would like to see some sort of agreement with regard to a production freeze, and uh, and and of course that's very hard to do because uh, there's really Basically, their members would like to see the price rise without having to to cut back on production, and so nobody's keen to do that. I I, I did read recently that they they would like to see the price get somewhere between fifty and and sixty dollars a barrel. Uh, but you know, personally, I'm I'm skeptical. It's always been difficult to uh, get OPEC members to agree and actually abide by um, any sort of production quotas. Uh, and, and, and we certainly know that Iran has been key to continue to try to, now that they can sell their oil globally, to continue to ramp up production there. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and that's frankly typical of, of a lot of the members. Uh, Saudi Arabia is, is still producing it at or uh, near record levels. Uh, and they're even taking steps now to try and lower their costs of production. Uh, which potentially could put more pressure on on other producers. Um, some of the other OPEC members can't produce anywhere near as efficiently as Saudi Arabia. So they'd like to see a price hike, but again, nobody really wants to cut production. Do we still have a glut of oil on the market? Yeah, and it's it's interesting because even in the U.S., where steps have been taken by a lot of producers to to cut back, the oil inventory numbers appear to keep keep rising. We, we just got surprised uh, back in uh, uh, late August uh, of another 2.3 million additional barrels. 
that we're we're not expected to be in storage that that apparently are. So um, until we work off these excess supplies, both domestically as well as uh, around the world, I think it's going to be very tough to see oil prices climb uh, very much above $50 a barrel. You think the switch over to winter blend that's coming in the next month or two is going to make a difference? Um, not really. Um, and, and in fact, uh, what, what there's, uh, again, just what I've been seeing in the press recently is that uh, they're, they're, uh, now they have, there's a glut of, uh, refine, of gasoline on the market, which uh, you know, means that there'll be less oil uh, refined to produce gasoline, which, which potentially, potentially could back up inventories still, still further a bit. You know, not a lot, but you know, at this point, you know, anything along the margins uh, can be painful with regard to pricing. Right. Well, you know, the fact that the U.S. seems to have moved into being the swing producer, I think, helps minimize the impact. Because if you, if you just let OPEC do what they do, we would still continue to be going down the same one-way street with no way uh, to back back out of it. So there are some good things, I think, that have occurred as a result of a very painful process for the oil and gas industry. But that being said, I want to just switch gears a little bit And I want to ask you your opinion on, we are definitely in uh, the political season where uh, we are now running uh, or, you know, looking for a new president. And both of them have energy policies. Um, The last administration has had a lot of regulatory um, actions pertaining to oil and gas, whether it was the EPA or Waters of America. There was just, there's a lot of regulation coming down on oil and gas, which has an impact on them, but it also has an impact on us. So tell me what you think these different energy policies that both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump have, and which one do you think is going to do better for the energy industry? You know, that's a hard question to answer just because it's, I don't think either candidate has spent a lot of time articulating uh, anything resembling a a, a coherent uh, energy policy. Um, you know, certainly Hillary Clinton has been talking more about uh, things like college tuition and uh, uh, programs along those lines. Uh, now, to the extent that supposedly uh, Hillary Clinton would represent a third term for Obama, then, you know, we've, we've certainly seen what what the administration has done with regard to uh, issues such as the uh, uh, use of the EPA to, to regulate the oil and gas industry, which has typically been regulated at the state level, uh, and and the uh, uh, the uh, refusal to approve the uh, Keystone XL pipeline, uh, you know, with, with Trump, uh, I I don't know that I've heard a whole lot specifically with regard to energy policy. What is interesting, though, is that while one would assume, if only because Trump's running as a Republican, that that might be the more industry-friendly candidate. Uh, I, w- I was uh, recently read that um, Hillary Clinton has actually uh, been able to uh, pick up more campaign funding from the oil and gas industry than Trump has. So uh, just some interesting dynamics. This is really an election year that uh, uh, breaks the mold. It's, uh, I don't think we've seen anything like this since uh, uh, probably uh, the late 1860s in terms of uh, political upheaval and, and just general unpredictability. It's definitely an interesting time in politics. Well, with that time, we have to take a real quick break, and we'll be right back within the Oil Patch Radio Show. 
The Future of the Region South Texas Conference is coming up November 14th and 15th at the UTSA Downtown Campus in beautiful San Antonio, Texas. This is the premier economic development conference that you don't want to miss. We've got the greatest lineup of speakers ready to give you the latest information and updates for the South Texas region that include workforce, energy, economic development, border issues, infrastructure, water, safety, transportation, and health. Tickets and sponsorships can be purchased at Future Region stx.org. Again, that's futureregionstx.org. See you there. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kim Bellotto, and our special guest today, Dr. Tom Tunstall. Dr. Tunstall, Corpus Christi, let's talk LNG for a minute and, and what's going on with the LNG export plans and programs that are that are sprouting up along the Texas coastline. There are six facilities that are either planned or uh, are actually operating. Uh, most of them are still either in the planning or construction stages uh, for LNG export. Three of them are in the Brownsville area, uh, and, and it's not clear that those will receive approval. I think there's a lot of uh, uh, public pushback uh, that may uh, cause you know, problems, issues, whatever, for, for some of those uh, proposed facilities. But uh, uh, there are... LNG export projects plan that will come to fruition. Uh, you know, one uh, uh, that Chenier is operating has already uh, sent its 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 first, at least its first shipment, maybe first shipments of, of LNG. Uh, what's interesting though is how the markets changed a bit for LNG exporters. Uh, they originally, when when these plants were were on the books and going through the approval process. Price of natural gas in Japan was extremely high um, after the uh, uh, and after the Fukushima uh, uh, nuclear meltdown, uh, the, the country made concerted efforts to shift a lot of its electricity production from nuclear to, to natural gas, and so they were are were expected and have continued to uh, import a lot of natural gas. But because for them natural gas prices are linked to oil, as the price of oil dropped. So did the price of natural gas, and it's uh, when I when I checked last, it was selling at around four dollars per thousand cubic feet in Japan, which uh, uh, down from sixteen or seventeen dollars, and so that that makes a a real tough case. In fact, there is no case for export from the U.S. at those prices. So LNG exporters from the U.S. are now going to have to look at other countries, and probably not Europe either, because. Uh, a lot of most of their natural gas comes from Russia and and Gazprom, which pretty much has the uh, uh, monopoly uh, uh, on that market, has indicated that they're willing to cut prices to, to retain market share. And, and all they have to do is drop prices down to about $7. And, uh, and after that, the case for U.S. companies exporting LNG to Europe pretty much goes away also. So I think the, the LNG producers in the U.S. will be looking to developing countries where they can uh, put off uh, floating regasification platforms in South America, which still imports uh, significant quantities of natural gas. Mexico, that's not so much the case because they've got pipelines from Texas uh, and, and, and are able to, uh, well, and, and a lot of them are already operating. I mean, Mexico's already importing uh, in excess of a trillion cubic feet annually of natural gas from the U.S., uh, but it's coming through pipeline. They don't need to use uh, tankers, which are more expensive, obviously, than, than pipelines. Well, you know, Dr. Tunstall, the amazing thing I think about Corpus Christi is they really understand how important energy is to their community and how it really does directly involve 
their economic development. And so the citizens are very supportive of the activities that are going on through the port. And as a community, they come together and they build on these projects. So so is the Corpus Christi Economic Development um, Corporation out there. They, they, they work really well. They get it. And I'm you know so happy that our state of energy for Texas is actually out there. And, and part of the reason why we had selected Corpus is because of the fact that these residents really get how important energy is to their market. Well, I want to change gears a little bit and just talk about another uh, area that is truly um, seeing uh, exponential growth pertaining to oil rigs, and that's the Permian Basin area. And just to kind of give a perspective, um, so Permian Basin has about 200 rigs out there right now, which is the Midland, Odessa area um, in Abilene, whereas other areas like Eagle Ford are sitting at like 30. So let's talk a little bit about, there's been some uh, oil and gas operators like Apache that have made the news recently for purchasing and acquiring some acreage out there. And they're uh, basically saying that they could be sitting on anywhere from 2 billion barrels out there in that area. Tell me a little bit about Permian Basin area. What do you think is their secret sauce, if you will, as to why they have 200 rigs um, right now in production, which is a huge windfall for that area out there, as well as the state of Texas with taxes that are being uh, generated. You have to remember that the Permian Basin, West Texas, uh, sort of came late to the uh, shale oil and gas party. Um, you know, Probably the first oil play in the U.S. was the Bakken up in North Dakota, and then the Eagleford Shale followed on a couple of years later, which actually uh, the Eagleford started as a natural gas uh, play and and uh, when the price of natural gas dropped so precipitously, the uh, it was relatively easy for the producers to switch over to produce oil because Eagle for Chill has quantities of both. Uh, so, you know, after that, there was a sort of exploratory activity in the Permian, and and uh, a lot of the producers experimented with different techniques, but. Uh, uh, as as time has progressed, they've they've really figured out uh, uh, in a couple of areas how to produce uh, significant quantities profitably. Uh, in many cases, uh, at thirty dollars a barrel. So, um, and and as far as we can tell, it's currently the Sprayberry and the Delaware basins appear to be seeing most of the activity. Uh, and that contrasts with an early shale formation that was thought to have a lot of promise, the Klein Shale. Um, uh, that has turned out, the results there have been disappointing to date. Um, it may see some future activity, but so far the the main activity has been elsewhere. The thing that's interesting about the Apache purchase is that uh, it's it's taken place pretty much outside of the usual area you associate with the Permian. It's uh, uh, toward the city of Alpine, uh, east of uh, Fort Stockton. And um, uh, it could represent, uh, you know, really an unexpected uh, bounty from from the Permian Basin uh, because it's it's in the in areas that typically have not been producing. Yeah, the the, the Permian has really been the, the staple of the Texas oil business, and you know we've added Eagle Ford, and, and there's some other things that are working. But uh, I do want to talk about 
some of the other shale plays and what's going on in them. But right now, we, we've got to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey, alongside your host, Kim Bellotto, and our special guest, Dr. Tom Tunstall. We'll be right back. Hey, oil and gas friends, Alvin Bailey here. You know, every week, Kim and I work really hard to bring you up to speed with what's going on out here in the Texas oil patch. I also want to take just a minute to talk to you about your fleet needs. Whether you have one truck or 1,000 trucks in your fleet, I can help you. Call me when you have a minute and let's talk trucks. Did you know that the Kalig Auto Group offers pickup and delivery right from our service departments? And I'll bring the dealership right to your desk. You don't need to drop what you're doing and come waste hours and hours of your valuable time haggling over pennies. I have a very transparent process with a simple pricing formula that ensures you're always going to get a very competitive price and the very best service available in the industry. So call me today, area code 830-480-3656. Again, 830-480-3656 and let's talk. The Kalig Auto Group has Ford and Ram trucks for your heavy-duty needs. We also carry Mazda, Subaru, Volkswagen, Jeep, even Lincoln and Lexus for your luxury needs, and we have an Audi store coming soon. So whether you need work trucks for your day-to-day business or a new Lincoln or Lexus for you personally, call me. My cell number is 830-480-3656. Oil-filled experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil-filled equipment needs. Specializing in hard-to-find oil-filled parts for your fleet maintenance needs, oil-filled experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oil-filled experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. Hey, 2016 is a great time to grow your business, and there is no time like the present to improve the awareness of your brand. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch. Alvin Bailey here alongside your host, Kim Bellotto, and our special guest, Dr. Tom Tunstall. Kim? Dr. Tunstall, before the break, we were talking about Permian Basin and having over a 200 rig count currently. Um, how do some of the other shell plays in, the, uh, in North America stack up, and which ones do you believe are doing well, all things considered, um, of some of the other shell plays, rather be in the United States or even outside the United States? Outside the, the United States, there's, there's really, uh, that's one of the interesting things about the unconventional techniques that uh, so far there really hasn't been any other country that's uh, had any significant production. Uh, that's that's clearly going to change, but, uh, but so far that hasn't been the case. The techniques were pi- pioneered here and... Um, uh, you know, new finds or, or, or I guess new techniques continue to be developed here. Uh, and, and, and when you talk about the different shale fields in the U.S., you, you sort of have to differentiate a little bit between oil and gas field. And so, uh, you know, I don't know that there's, uh, you know, if there's, if there's a big find um, right now underway in the U.S., it's in the Permian uh, between the acreage purchases by uh, Apache and uh uh, EOG just made an acquisition that's going to extend their foot, footprint well into the Permian, and, and they're, uh, by all accounts, uh, uh, t- 
a leader in terms of, of employing these new technologies to uh, produce as, um, uh, as efficiently or more efficiently than anybody. Um, that's really, I, I, I think, where, where you're going to see a lot of attention in, uh, in the next few years, uh, in, in fact, decades. Well, you know, I want to switch gears again and get us back into what you guys do in your department. You guys are known for doing research as well. And um, you are working on a couple of really cool projects. I mean, most of our listeners, um, some are not from the San Antonio area, and so they don't know necessarily what Fiesta is. But I'll I'll tell our listeners, Fiesta is a 10-day shut down the city and party and eat as many turkey legs and gorditas as you can. Think carnival uh, and carnival in, uh, and uh, just a great time, great music, great folks, great yeah, people. Fiesta's what Mardi Gras wishes it was. There you go. <laughs> but you are uh, doing a research. Uh, you're doing research on the Fiesta Commission. Tell us about that and the other ones that you're working on as well. Sure, and it's interesting, uh, especially with the. Uh, uh, oil and gas boom that we saw over the last few years uh, in, in the economic impact reports we'd done uh, in the West Texas area and in South Texas. Uh, a lot of people tended to view us as uh, an energy research shop or an oil and gas research uh, organization. And we're really not. I mean, if there's a common theme that runs through our research, it's economic development. And, and clearly, there are significant economic development aspects associated with oil and gas uh, production. But um, but we're also we're doing research, uh, 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 as you mentioned, on uh, the economic impact of uh, this last year's Fiesta, the 2016 Fiesta. Uh, we uh, are doing analysis on a couple of missions in San Antonio because the missions consist of both the built environment, the, the missions themselves, as well as the people living in the area. There's a cultural aspect to it that needs to be preserved in order to maintain that world heritage status. And so we're uh, doing some analysis to try and understand what businesses uh, that uh, or business opportunities there may be to that, that still sort of retain the cultural sensitivity that, that we want to maintain in the area. Uh, we do, we're, we're undertaking a new study for the governor's office on, uh, uh, it'll be a survey of small businesses. We recently completed uh, uh, a secondary analysis uh, on the state of small business in Texas. Uh, and and uh, we also found out uh, recently that we're going to be doing a study on uh, Argentina's shale oil and gas production. They're uh, uh, very excited about their prospects and are moving aggressively into that area. And um, um, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what the numbers look like from there. Well, one thing is for sure, uh, you guys have a lot of research work underway. Um, when are some of these reports going to come out? Both the Fiesta study and the uh, the mission study were uh, commissioned by uh, orga- organizations. In the case of the Fiesta, it was commissioned by by the Fiesta Commission. And uh, for the uh, uh, San Antonio missions, the uh, city of San Antonio asked us to, to do that analysis. And so and we, we've actually delivered a sort of a preliminary report to them, but we're also, we also want to inform the study with a survey, which is actually underway as, as we speak. Uh, I imagine that the city will make those uh, results public probably toward the end of this year, uh, the end of 2016. Um, the Fiesta results might not come out until uh, maybe even early 2017. Um, and the small business study that the governor's office commissioned actually is available now, uh, and, and that's uh, that could be accessed via our website or uh, you know if, if if someone you know gets in touch with 
me, I can send the report to them as well in a PDF version. So um, uh, basically all of our research uh, is available on our website uh, uh, as soon as it's available for public release. And Dr. Tunstall, if somebody wants to keep up with with research that you guys are releasing, how do they, what, what is your website? It's uh, ccbr.iedtexas.org. Uh, um, so um, I was just saying, yeah, it's, IED is an Institute for Economic Development, and Texas is spelled out, T-E-X-A-S. Again, that's on the World Wide Web, ccbr.iedtexas.org. Dr. Tunstall, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to have you in studio with us. My pleasure, Alvin. Thanks. And you know, Kim, Dr. Tom Tunstall, what a great guest. We love having him on the show. He's just a wealth of knowledge and information. And I, I don't know about you, but I always learn something when he's here. Oh, I do too. He is just uh, amazing. He's so knowledgeable on so many different topics, but I guess that's what he does for a living. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, I think we should make Dr. Tom Tunstall the topic of today's trivia question. Of course. So today's question is, uh, on today's show, Dr. Tunstall talked about a research project he's working on pertaining to a event that happens yearly here in San Antonio. What is the name of the event that he is researching here in San Antonio? That's going to be a fun one, and it happens again next year. Email your response. Be the first correct email to radio at shalemag.com. Again, radio at shalemag, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com, and you'll win yourself a $75 gift certificate to the beautiful and the yummy Palm Restaurant in Houston, Texas. Kim, that's about going to wrap the, the show up this week, and again, it was a great show. Another great show in the books. I've Just been a little under the weather, but, you know, love being here. I hope you feel better and hope the allergies clear up for you. In the meantime, be sure and like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash in the oil patch radio show and at shale mag on Twitter. And until next week, Kim, adios. Adios. In the oil patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas business and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.